you would uh, join with me in taking out your Bibles and turning to John chapter 10. As we turn to God's word, let's turn to him once again in prayer. Almighty God, our our Heavenly Father, we are hungry. Would you feed us? We are thirsty. Would you provide living water? Father, be pleased to speak through your word and by your spirit to your people. Give us attentive eyes and ears, hearts and minds to receive from you what will do us much good. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're at week number four in our series, um, I Am Jesus in His Own Words. Final exams. For some in college, those exams are over. For some of you in middle school, high school, homeschool, it might be coming up. Well, here are some basic exam questions. Let's see how we do. What's the purpose of bread? What's the purpose of light? What's the purpose of a door? Or, maybe put differently, what do you do with it? What do you do with bread? What do you do with light? What do you do with a door? Well, as we've seen with bread, you eat it, you feed on it with light. By it, you can see, you follow the light with a door. What do you do with a door? Now, as I mentioned earlier, a door it doesn't sound too exciting or too important, especially when just compared to things like bread and light. Well, I want us to step back for a moment and look at the big picture before we go to this text. Um, remember, Christianity is, is not man somehow finding his or her way to God Rather, Christianity is is the declaration, the good news, the revelation that God has come to man. Think with me just for a moment about the incarnation. Jesus Christ, the God-man, God in the flesh. Now that is difficult for us to get our minds around. How, How does the human mind even grasp the divine? How does the finite understand the infinite? Well, God not only comes to man, but God reveals himself to man. God makes himself known. So how does Jesus go about telling us about himself? Remember, Jesus is revealing the Father. How does he make himself known? What does he tell us about himself? Well, he says he is, what, bread. He is light. He's a door. He tells us that he's the bread of life the light of the world, and now the door of the sheep. We're in the gospel according to John, and in John there are seven signs, seven miracles that point to Jesus as the long-expected and promised Messiah. And there are also seven statements of Jesus' own self-identification. Remember, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? Well, here in John Jesus says, I am, seven times, I am this, I am that, 
I am the other. Jesus here uses figures, figurative symbols and images, uh, bread, light, shepherd, vine, to make himself known. And both individually and together, they paint a picture of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Jesus as the bread of life, feed on him and live. Jesus as the light of the world, follow him and live. And this week, Jesus is the door of the sheep. Enter by him and live. Now the central dominant and governing relationship in the Christian life is not the one that we have with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. No, the central dominant guiding and governing relationship that we have is the one that we have with Jesus. So let's get to know Jesus a little better today by listening to him as he speaks and tells us about himself. Now Jesus makes himself known through both deeds and words. If you look back at chapter 9 in verse 16, Jesus has healed a man born blind And we read in chapter 9, verse 16, and there was a division among them. And after we look at Jesus being the door of the sheep and the good shepherd, we will read in John 10, verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. So Jesus' words, his actions, his works, and his And his words cause division. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. Well, today, even though we're on the fourth week, remember we started off with Jesus calling himself the resurrection and the life as we followed up with Easter. So today is that third great self-disclosure of Jesus found here in John. It's often overshadowed, I believe, by, by the fourth I am. I am the good shepherd. It's the same chapter. I think I am the good shepherd, which we will look at next week, kind of dominates that chapter. And with good reason. But today, we're going to focus on Jesus calling himself the door of the sheep. I mean, John chapter 10 could be alongside Romans chapter 8. And as maybe some of us in the adult class heard today, Isaiah 40, right? A great chapter in the scriptures. So join with me as I read the first 10 verses of John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the door of the sheep? It's a good question. One that we're going to hopefully explore in some depth today. Our approach to finding out what Jesus means and why it's important will be to consider the context, the claim, and the characteristics. Uh, The context, the claim, and the characteristics. The context is this, Jesus versus thieves and robbers. In chapter 9, Jesus heals a man born blind. And his teaching here in chapter 10 comes on the heels of that. Jesus gives sight, he gives light to a man who had only seen darkness. You'd think that'd be good news, right? Someone was blind, but now they see. But how do the religious leaders respond? They put the man on trial. They they put his parents, as it were, on trial. They revile him. They cast him out. When Jesus speaks of himself and he speaks of thieves and robbers, he's contrasting himself with these religious leaders, teachers of Israel. Jesus is going to say that these are not only opposing the work of God, but they are dangerous to sheep. They are false shepherds. And we could all go back to Ezekiel 34 and read a vivid description, especially as we'll see next week, of what the shepherds of Israel had done and not done to the people of Israel. Jesus is exposing the false shepherds, the shepherds that hurt the sheep. So it's a thief and a robber, a stranger, thieves and robbers, a thief versus Jesus. So the context, in one sense, is just what's gone on before this healing of the blind man. But also, there's a cultural distance. Uh, we're, We're both somewhat familiar with this language, but yet unfamiliar if we get in close. This is not an illustration of a figure of speech, a metaphor. It's not something that's taking place at the mall or the office or the the playground or the hospital. This is sheep farming. Sheep and sheepfolds and shepherds and gatekeepers. And in verses 1 through 5, we hear a description of this sheepfold and this sheep pen that's kind of in the city, it's urban, where several shepherds use the same common corral and there's a gatekeeper who opens the gate and various shepherds come in and out and call their sheep. But beginning in verses 7, it's moving from the city and the urban environment to a more country place, a rural environment where there's one shepherd and one flock. Let's listen to verse 6 again. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So the context is, is not only on the heels of the blind man being healed, not only this cultural distance of shepherds and sheep, but it's a bit confusing. 
It's confusing because if you were just listening closely, Jesus mixes metaphors. He goes from shepherd to door back to shepherd. Not only to us as we heard it, but also to them, these original hearers. And and John says they did not understand what Jesus was saying. And so Jesus has to say to them again, he has to say to these religious leaders, he has to say to his disciples, he has to say to us again, God is gracious um, to help us understand, isn't he? I mean, think about teachers you've had growing up. Could you help me understand? And the good teacher would stay with you and help you understand and this is what Jesus is doing in explaining Jesus makes this claim I am the door of the sheep we see that in verse 7 and 8 um, the context is this smaller rural pen out in the country where during the day the sheep are out in pasture and at night They're back enclosed inside this rock-walled pen with one opening. I am the door of the sheep. Okay, Jesus says that's what he is. Well, what does he mean? Well, the early part of the 1900s, a British preacher who preceded um, Martin Lloyd-Jones at Westminster Chapel in London, a, a British preacher by the name of G. Campbell Morgan was back in the United States preaching and he was headed back to England. He was on a ship with uh, probably at the time the most well-known Old Testament scholar at the time, Sir George Adam Smith. And G. Campbell Morgan relates this story that he heard from um, uh, Sir George Smith about a time that Sir George was in the Middle East Uh, traveling around Palestine. And we heard this, that Sir George was traveling with a guide and came across a shepherd and his sheep. He fell into a conversation with him. The man showed him the fold into which the sheep were led at night. It consisted of four walls with a way in. Sir George, that's the Old Testament scholar, said to him, that is where they go at night. Question mark. Yes, said the shepherd. And when they are in there, they are perfectly safe. But there is no door, said Sir George. I am the door, said the shepherd. He was not a Christian man. He was not speaking the language of the New Testament. He was speaking from the Arab shepherd's standpoint. Sir George looked at him and said, What do you mean by the door? Said the shepherd, When the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space and no sheep ever goes out but across my body and no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. So here's this Old Testament scholar being educated from the cultural standpoint of sheep and shepherds. No wonder Jesus would, would use this. This is what people were used to. This is not what we're used to. And so it takes a little bit of thought as to what Jesus means when he says, I am the door 
of the sheep. Jesus contrasts himself in this passage with others who came before him, not not those just in the past, but those contemporary around him. And he's not... He's not making accusations against the prophets who point to the Christ, who point to the Messiah. Think Moses, think Isaiah. But he's pointing to others who say there is another way to be saved. There's another way to be in a right relationship with God. False teachers abound in the past and the present and the future, and they're, they're claiming to show the way, and they say, follow me, follow my teaching. Well, when Jesus says, that he's a door. I think it's important to just think about what that might mean. Jesus is not a wall. There's no need to climb. There's not a wall to scale through achievement or hard work. He's not a ticket booth. There's no need to purchase access through, through your goodness, through your efforts. And a door is not a passageway. It's not a long, dark journey. It's not a wall that you have to climb. It's not a ticket booth where you have to stop and and purchase a ticket. A door is not a passageway. A door, right, is entered pretty easily, right? And pretty instantly. I am the door of the sheep. He says it again in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me. And Jesus has contrasted himself with others who are saying this is the way. I think it's important to ask ourselves, who are we listening to right now? Now, we may have our favorite music to listen to and our favorite books to listen to on Audible. We're we're listening. We're we're never not listening. Sometimes we're listening to ourselves, right? Who are you listening to when it comes to the big, important things of life? In a few weeks, we'll hear Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Who are you listening to? Jesus is speaking. Are we listening to him? Okay, if Jesus is the door, how does a door operate? And how do you enter a door? How do you go through a door? Um, Well, let's look at the characteristics. We've looked at the context. We've briefly looked at Jesus' claim. Let's just look at the characteristics of the door. It's an inclusive, exclusive entrance. How do you enter? How do you enter the door? By faith. Look with me toward the end of chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. That was the man who had been born blind, who Jesus healed. Jesus had heard they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. 
I believe. Throughout John, John's talking about life. He's talking about light. And he's often talking about belief, faith. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, this is an exclusive entrance. And for many people, it's a hang-up. It's an obstacle. It sounds so arrogant and narrow. But, you know, it's equally arrogant to say that your view is superior. A basic rule of logic. If you affirm something, you necessarily do not affirm the contradiction. The challenge is here, don't reject because it's exclusive. Ask if it's true. I, I think we've been talking lately about reaching out to unbelievers, neighbors. Yeah, they may hear this as exclusive. Ask them whether or not they think it's true. That's what matters. Did you hear this? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, I think the accent people tend to fixate on is the me. But if anyone, anyone, it's inclusive. It's not contradictory. There's, there's two perspectives. There's a story that James Montgomery Boyce, the late pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, talks about a, a woman who had been attending the church pastored by his predecessor, uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse. And, and she had grown up in a, a religious home, but as she attended church week after week, she started hearing this message, this, this gospel message, this good news that life was found in the person and work of Jesus. And, and, it, and you entered into a relationship with Jesus by faith. And for this woman, it was a new message. She had grown up in a religious home, but had never heard this message. And week after week after week, and finally, the story goes, is this woman went up to, uh, to uh, uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse and, and told him, this is a new message. I, I, I've never heard it before. Can, can you tell me more about it? And, and Barnhouse led this woman to Jesus. It wasn't his, he led her to Jesus who saved her. And Boyce goes, I know this story well because that's my mother. That's how my mother came to faith. And, and, and it was as if Barnhouse told Boyce's mother that yes, on the outside of the church there is this call, whosoever will may come, as the King James of Revelation twenty two seventeen say. On the outside of the church is whosoever will, and yet on the inside of the church, when you look back at the door of the church, what do you see? Chosen in him before the foundation of the world. There's an invitation and a declaration. Whosoever will come chosen before the foundation of the world. This exclusive, inclusive message changes lives. For those of you 
who have come to faith in Jesus, you know your life has changed. So it's an exclusive, inclusive, or an inclusive, exclusive entrance. Another characteristic of the door is it closes for protection. Uh, There's the pen, there's salvation, the, the sheep are gathered and they're enclosed. Those who enter through Christ will be saved. Saved from what? From God's wrath, from God's condemnation. Salvation past, present, and future from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and one day from the very presence of sin. And this, and this is important, I'm speaking to myself, saved from yourself. At times we are our own worst enemy, right? The problem is not so much out there, the problem is in here. As Paul Tripp says about every day in New Morning Mercies, God rescued me from me. Think about sheep. We'll talk about this next week. Helpless, defenseless, and say I shall I say it, stupid. Yes. Flipped over on their back. Help, I've fallen and I can't get right side up. That's us. Noah saved because the door of the ark was closed and he was on the inside. Cities of refuge in Old Testament Israel provided a place where those who had accidentally killed could flee and the avenger could not go in and get them. The door was closed. The door closes for protection, for salvation. At night, the sheep are in. The door is closed. That shepherd is laying across the entrance. They are safe. But the door has a dual function. It's balanced. It can swing from being closed to being open. It's on hinges. The door opens to provision, to the pasture, to safety and satisfaction. Listen to the rest of verse 9 into 10. And he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Those who enter through Christ will not only be saved, they will be safe. They will go in and out and find pasture. Back in Numbers 27, in verses 15 through 17, in a time when Joshua was going to take the place and succeed Moses, we read this beginning in Numbers 27, 15. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them and shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. Leading them out, leading them in, the door swings open. Those who enter through Christ will be safe, but those who enter through Christ will also be satisfied. It's a picture, it's a picture of abundant life. Those who have bread, who have light, have life. Jesus' 
contrasting himself with those who steal and kill and destroy. Once again, Jesus brings up the thief. Here, this door is both narrow and wide. It's narrow in that it's entered into and there is salvation. It's narrow that it opens up into this wideness, this pasture. If anyone enters by me, anyone, they will have life and life abundantly. Abundant life. Andrew Walls, a well-known British historian of missions, talked about how some religions are only, they only thrive in its own land. Think Islam. Think Hinduism. But Christianity is unique. It's always on the move from Palestine through the Greco-Roman world to Western Europe to North America now to the global south. Christianity is not tied to a place. Christianity is tied to a person. Jesus, that shepherd, that door. I, I think many of us may have thought that Christianity means that we have to conform, that we'll be restricted. And to be sure, there's aspects of being conformed to the image of Jesus that may initially feel restrictive. But coming to Jesus doesn't give you less life. Coming to Jesus gives you more life. We spend an awful lot of time chasing security, chasing peace. We make a lot of efforts to get what we're looking for, security, peace. Jesus, in so many words, is saying, stop chasing and start living. As the door, he is the gateway to abundant life where the sheep, who he knows by name, who hear his voice and follow him, they go in and out and there is a wideness, an abundance of life. These characteristics of the door are also calls, calls to come, to be saved, to be safe, and to be satisfied. So the door, the door of the sheep, another image of who Jesus is and what he came to do, right? Boring, nothing to see, a door. The bread of life, believe and live. The light of the world, follow and live. The door of the sheep, enter and live. What's a door for? Not to look at, not to admire, not to sit down on the step. I don't know if y'all are like me, but anytime I'm driving in a neighborhood and I say, wow, they've got a new garage door, right? I can tell when somebody puts up a new garage door, I'm, I'm looking at the door. But the purpose of a door is not to look at, to admire. The purpose of a door is to provide a place for someone to go in 
and out. Jesus says, I am the door behind which, behind whom there is protection, there is salvation, there is safety. He says, I am the door through which, through whom there is provision, there is satisfaction, there is an abundant life. Now in saying, I am, Jesus is also saying, you are. And our Sunday school class reminded us, as R.C. Sproul said, our our big problems is we, we don't know God and we don't know ourselves. What Jesus is telling us who God is. And in telling us who God is, we're being asked who we are. What Jesus does and what Jesus says divides people. Always has, always will. Right now, that division looks like this. You're either someone who's entered life through Jesus, through faith in Jesus, or not. You're either resting and relying on Jesus, or you're resting and relying on someone or something else. You can't, it can't be both. I've tried it before. I've tried to have one foot on the dock and one foot in the boat. That lasts for not too long. And usually I get wet. There are a couple of questions that these seven I am statements cause us to ask and answer. One, of course, is who is Jesus? But the other question is, who am I? Who am I really? Who am I in relationship to Jesus? Jesus' claim, I am the door of the sheep, is also his call. Jesus is calling, come to me, enter through me by faith. And you will find life. And you will live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this revelation that comes to us from the outside. And oh God, we need transformation on the inside. We, if we're honest, know that we have all in one way or another, to one degree or another, have been looking for life in all the wrong places. So Father, be pleased to help your people to look for life only where it can be found, in Jesus. And even though There's an exclusivity in there. Me, Jesus says. There is an inclusivity, anyone. So Father, help us to know that Jesus indeed is the door behind which we have salvation, security, safety, and through which we have abundant life that satisfies our very souls. 
We thank you, Father, that Jesus is the great I am. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Jesus is the